Hello and welcome to Move the Line Prop Drop Show. Ryan Noonan back for the divisional round weekend to talk about the best way in the most profitable way to bet on NFL football, and that is through player props. Again, live 2 p.m. Eastern every Friday, all the way through the Super Bowl, giving you our favorite props and taking your questions. So if you're hanging out with us now on YouTube, subscribe so you don't miss a show, smash the like button, uh, and jump in the chat. Let us know what your favorite prop for the week is. Uh, again, loaded card at this time of the week. We have uh, been pretty lucky the last couple of weeks to have uh, a lot of stuff to talk about here, even though we only have four games. So we'll do our best to get to as many of the questions, assuming that they're good at the end of the show. Joining me here, as always, with his brand new, bougie, fancy mug, Connor Allen. How are we doing? Good. Yeah. Shout out to Ember Mugs. Keeping my coffee and uh, tea warm there. You know, not not an advertiser of the show, but if you want to be and you're listening, you know, uh, reach out because we definitely uh, would like to make some contact there. But it's exciting, man. We have tons of props on the board. We don't have like a ton of the smaller guys, but I we have a lot. And so I have more than four plays for the show if we want to get into it. But uh, I think a ton to talk about here. Love it. We can get uh, promo code Mayo for uh, 30% off of an Amber Mug at some point, I'm guessing, right? Omaha Steaks works. Uh, AG Greens works. Why not uh, promo code Mayo? Any sponsor out there that would love to have a promo code Mayo attached to it, then I, I can make that happen. I, I know the guy who does that. Pretty good. Uh, man, obviously, in charge of the Mayo Media Network and the Pat Mayo Experience. It is Pat Mayo himself. How are we doing today? Doing well. Uh, I, unlike Connor, do not have an overflow of plays for the week. All the numbers that I got in on two days ago, even yesterday have all changed in the opposite direction. So I guess that's good that I have a better number than is out there, but it sucks now that we're doing the show and like, here's Friday afternoon. And I guess during the playoffs, you know, we need to move the show to a Tuesday when it drops. I know it's, it's uh it's an interesting thing. I had a bunch of tackle props this morning that we uh, posted in the 4 for 4 Discord, and the subscribers have absolutely nuked them. So I really can't even give them out. Uh, I have a couple of – one that I still can because uh, it was a plus money bet, and it's, I think, still bettable, and then some other you know, possible ones that we'll get to here at the end of the show. But this is why you need to be in the Discord, subscriber-only Discord at 4 for 4. Again, we are almost at the end of the season, but our – Betting subscription goes to the end of February. It'll cover, obviously, everything that's on the site, all of our bets. $19 right now, 444.com slash plans. Again, still NBA picks, college hoops, MMA. If you are in any of the pick'em games, uh, Vivid, Prize Picks, uh, Underdog, we have specific channels for all of those as well, post plays. Um, and again, a very, very active Subscriber base, um, with sharp people that are posting plays of their own now as well that you can get in there if you just want to, you know, degen with some of the folks that are in the chat and watching games and sweat with the community. It's a great place to be. 19 bucks, 444.com slash plans. Again, only through the end of February. That's why it's only $19. Uh, but again, you'll get all of the picks that Connor and I post right away. You get push notifications set up through the Discord. So um, we're still doing our uh, move the line games game previews to so some more sides and totals that again is uh, still going. So if you subscribe to the audio podcast, rate and review that as well. We really appreciate that. And then also here on the YouTube channel, you'll get that one as well. Not quite sure when we're doing the conference championship one next week. I have some other stuff that I have going on. So uh, not on the Wednesday spot, but either Tuesday or Thursday or Friday, I don't know. We'll have a show for you to talk about those two games whenever they pop up. So, uh, all right, Connor, let you get started. You got a lot. We'll, do four but when we get to the fourth one you can kind of unload whatever else is on your card that you want to share that's still live or any other perspective looks here though so uh first play 
for the divisional round. For sure. I, I have an unusual amount of overs this week, but I'm going to start with one of my unders. I like Joe Mixon to go under 48 and a half rushing yards. And the big story has been, oh, well, how will the Bengals offensive line hold up without Jonah Williams, without Alex Kappa, Lil Collins uh, heading to Buffalo? You know, everyone's worried about Joe Burrow, but I'm really worried about Joe Mixon. The Bills third and run DDBOA on top of this Bills five and a half point favorites. Mixon's gone like under this number in roughly half of his games. But given the matchup and offensive line injuries, I think it's going to be pretty tough for him. Uh, he's averaged just 3.4 yards per carry since his O-line started getting you know, beat up against New England. Now, some of those games, well, I mean, multiple games were against Baltimore. But still, if we look at his games against top 10 run defenses, he's averaged fewer than three yards per carry in six of those nine games. And so given all those factors here, I really think that there's volume concerns if Buffalo gets out to a big lead. And then there's obviously massive efficiency because there's even if since he keeps it closer, decides to go run heavy, which I think both Noonan and I, you and I agree that that's probably not what's going to happen given the mismatch up front. I mean, they're starting – their offensive line is probably worse than it was last year in the playoffs. I mean, they're starting one of the backups. Um, you know, And I don't think it's going to impact the passing game as much as uh, most people are anticipating, but I think it will impact Joe Mixon in the running game quite a bit. Yeah, uh, we've seen a massive pass rate over expectation all season from the uh, Bengals. We've seen it even higher since Jamar Chase has returned. And, uh, yeah, there's still Buffalo's – doesn't have the, the stout defense that they did early in the season, but still over like the last eight weeks or so, they're still top three in, in rush defense DVOA. So against this team with a bad offensive line, like you want to give it to Burrow, let him make decisions. I don't think all of a sudden you tune into a like massive one heavy team. So uh, Pat, what do you got here? What are your thoughts on, uh, on Mixon? I'm there with Mixon. My, my first under is actually in the same game on the other side of the ball. And it was 44 and a half. Then it was 43 and a half. It is now down to 38 and a half. And I still have the projection coming under this number for Devin Singletary in terms of his rushing yards, because the way that you need to split it up is, yeah, you can get into a script. If the game goes a little bit like we saw on the onset of the Monday night game between these two, where the Bengals jump out to a lead, the bills just aren't going to run the ball whatsoever. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, they hate running the ball as it is. So them in a negative game script for rushing, uh, they're probably not going to run all that much. So you also have the ability to split carries with James Cook. We've been seeing James Cook get all of these carries out of the backfield, very similar or sometimes even more to Devin Singletary. So he's going to need to be hyper-efficient on his carries to begin with. And as Connor's been pointing out for the past few weeks, the Bengals' rush defense, although it didn't really come to fruition last week, still very good, especially against the lower tier of running backs, the middle to lower tier where Singletary really fits. And then the added concern is Josh Allen is just going to inherently steal rushing attempts away from these guys, whether not all of Josh Allen's rushing attempts come at the expense of Singletary or Cook, but let's say four or five a game do. Well, then all of a sudden there's four or five fewer rushing attempts that actually go to these guys. So tougher defense, lack of efficiency, triple headed monster really in the rushing game for the Bills just has me leaning way under on Devin Singletary, even at 38 and a half. Yeah, last few games too, 43% of the carries, 32, 42% of the carries. So like it feels like, and on the year it's 46. So like he's been trending down and that's a lot of that is kind of like popped up from earlier this season where they weren't even really using James Cook in the rush game. So uh, not a problem with that one at all, Connor. I, I gave that a long look yesterday too. Any initial reaction to Singletary? 
No, I really like it. I was trying to figure out the best way to play it um, because on top of that too, James Cook has out carried him for now two straight weeks as well. Um, so like, I think, like you said, the, the tides are shifting towards that. And this is one of the, seems like one of those games where they might just like throw almost every play given uh, they've allowed like half a yard less per carry when the Bengals have DJ reader uh, since week 13, their third and run D EPA as well. So like, I mean, everything you said there just lines up. The matchup is tough. I was looking at attempts. I mean, there was a Devin Singletary, 10 and a half attempts that popped this morning. I didn't get on it soon enough. I would have really liked that under. Um, but now it's like nine and a half. And then, like, yeah, like like Pat said, 38, 39 rushing yards. I still lean under. I just don't know. It's, it's like it feels hard to take something like that that's already opened at like 44, 45. But um, I did play this under actually officially when in the original game uh, between these two teams. But that obviously did not uh, play out. So, yeah, I still like it. Though. I still think it's a, a solid book. Yeah, I like it too. Um, just feels like it's trending down. And I'm with you. I think this is a game where both teams are are chucking a ton. Um, it's just kind of their MO. And I think you just kind of lean on that in comfortable spots in the playoffs. And yeah, I like this Bengals defense. I think it is a tough matchup too. So you can, you know, even have a spike to Pat's point. You can have a spike in, in Singletary work and probably still fall under this number. So, all right. So I'm going to stay in the same game with my first one. Uh, kind of in the same mode. Jamar Chase over seven and a half receptions, uh, plus one ten on Caesars. Played this yesterday at plus one fifteen. I still think um, we're you know, still dealing with plus money here. I think it's a great look. Um, I like the Bengals in the spot, really, regardless of game script. I think this is going to be a very heavy pass first, you know, pass rate over expectation spot. Like I mentioned earlier, on the season they are tops, but they are um, massively above really anyone else. They since Chase got back in week thirteen. The Bengals pass rate over expectation is 11.4%. For context, the Bucks are third in that time frame at 4%. So, like, it is a – they're just leaving it up to Joe Burrow and letting him diagnose. And because I think the offensive line is a problem here, it might be counterintuitive, but I think they aren't going to want to run behind a really bad offensive line into a really stout defensive front. I think they're going to execute a pretty quick passing game. Um, we've seen that a little bit lower a dot from Burrow as of late too. So that's worked out really well for Jamar Chase. It's insane. 34% target share since he came back in week 13 on the season. It's still, you know, north of 25%. And it's really felt like more of a separation from T Haynes of late where it's, you know, he's kind of like the guy versus them being like one, a one B uh, 13 targets per game. Since he's been back, he's topped this number in three straight for the past five. And I just, I think that's going to be a problem with the Bills secondary. We're talking a lot about the Bengals offensive line. And I don't think we were talking enough about the Bills defensive backs and the injuries that they have there. Now that DeMar Hamlin, thank God, is fine. We could talk about the football impact. He's a second stringer. He's in there for Micah Hyde, who's still out. They are now playing Dean Marlowe at like 90% of the snaps. Dean Marlowe was so bad that the Lions cut him. He couldn't get on the field for Atlanta this year, and now he is playing almost every snap for Buffalo. Skylar Thompson couldn't take advantage of Dean Marlowe. Joe Burrow was going to, um, and they move Chase around so much, they're going to find mismatches. I love Chase to get fed in this game, plus money over 7.5. Connor, I know it's a big number. It's not somewhere that you typically go, but any thoughts on it? No, I, I like it. I mean – I don't know. I, I think that I agree with you now more and more on this game after initially I was really worried about like the offense. I think that they'll find a way, but yeah, I think the number is just a little too high for me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, um, but I don't, I don't know if the yards is a better look either because like 
I think that there's a chance that they're not very efficient, but they do pass a lot. So maybe like a, a Burroughs completion prop or a Burroughs attempt prop, I think could be interesting too. I haven't actually looked into that, but um, that's probably where my head would go initially. I like the same game parlay, Pat, with, with Burrow completions and Chase. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup anyway? It's been, uh, we've talked about it a lot in our Discord. Uh, we have very different opinions. Uh, we'll have to get your thoughts on kind of this matchup and, and the Chase prop. I I have a hard time capping this game, to be perfectly honest with you, outside of like one or two pieces of it that I really like and how I can see that the game is going to go. Like the Bengals passing game is just confounding to me. My, my poor guy, Trent Irwin, didn't even get on the field last week. And <laughs> now I'm looking at Hayden Hurst over three and a half reception props. Now, now that Hurst is back, we talk about the check down, the lower A dot. He is a part of that. Remember, like he was gone for so long. That now just having that safety blanket back on the field and you know with a deteriorated offensive line getting the ball out faster, that makes a lot of logical sense that Hayden Hurst would be the one that is more targeted in this spot. So I, I would prefer that look. Even mixing mixing receptions. What's mixing receptions at? Mixing three and a half. See, that's too many. Yeah. So Daigle was talking about Samaje P. Ryan on our show uh, the other day, which was uh, interesting too, just that P. Ryan is, is even though he didn't get a lot, uh, when you look at like routes run, um, last week P. Ryan ran a route on 50% of the dropbacks. Mixon was just at 24%, which is a massive drop off from where he's been because he's been like right around 45% all season. So I don't know if that's a one game blimp, um, but that was interesting to see, even though P. Ryan didn't do a lot with it. I uh, look like a shift in, in job security. My pushback on the Hayden Hurst thing is first of all, Buffalo has been really good against tight ends. And my thought is if they do want to do some stuff to help protect the offensive line, don't you either leave a tight end in the block or at least chip pre-snap at times. And that might slow down Hayden Hurst and maybe make him more of a traditional tight end versus a, routes run tight end in the spot that would be my only concern with Hayden Hurst well what have been his routes run the past two weeks um he has been out there a, a good amount uh 74 and 79 percent the past two weeks so I would say that he was more needed last week against Baltimore than he will be this week against Buffalo yeah that's fair and then 79 percent I mean that's again for the tight ends outside of the alphas 79 percent route participation is is elite so also yeah. I looked at it a little bit. That was my only thought was just thinking like, what would they do different to protect? It would probably be the tight end and it could be a chip. Doesn't mean that he's not going to get out there still. Yeah. And Von Miller is not there either. So, I mean, since, since losing Von Miller, the bills uh, 16th in pressure rate uh, as well. So it's not like they've been getting a ton of pressure. And like you, you mentioned before, like they're not a team that necessarily blitzes a ton. They generally try and get pressure up front and then, you know, kind of sit back force mistakes. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just going to be a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow to, to make things happen here. Yeah, this is props. We talked about this a little bit on the Wednesday show, but like the Ravens defense is like the bugaboo a little bit for the Bengals. Uh, Mike McDonald does a lot of different things pre-snap. When you look at all the different iterations of like formations that they use, they use a bunch. Um, they do a lot of different stuff. And Burrow's success rate against non-Ravens teams this year was north of 50%. In the three games against the Bengals, 33%. They have his number somehow. I went and looked at formations for the Bills, they used one formation against the Bill against the uh, Dolphins. They have like two, three versions that they use all season. They are straightforward. This is what we do, and then beat us. And I think that that is a little bit of it's just easier for Burrow in the spot. So I'm bullish on the Bengals. I think the Burrow is 
doesn't mean that the Bills can't win. They're just going to have to light it up. That means, I think, a lot of points. But I think you see some success from this passing game. So I like Chase. I like plus money. And uh, Connor, back to you with your uh, second pick. My second one is Dak Prescott over 13 and a half rushing yards. A, a subscriber at 4-4 actually pointed this out to me a day or so ago. Uh, you can find it still minus 120 at MGM. It's a little bit juiced at other shops, but I think that uh, I'd probably play it up to 15 and a half where it's at at some other places as well. Dak has 16 or more rushing yards in five of the past six games, averaging five and a half rush attempts per game during that span, coming off a game where he had 24 yards on seven carries against the Tampa Bay team that normally plays a ton of zone. As we've talked about, we generally like to target running quarterbacks against man, but you know, Dak still was able to get there against his own heavy team. And on top of this, Niners are able to get a ton of pressure. Um, just allowed 428 to Geno Smith, who I think is, I guess, a somewhat reasonable comparison to Dak in terms of running. Like he's not going to have a ton of designed runs or anything, just kind of has to scramble to get there. So getting flushed out of the pocket a little bit. And not to mention Dak in the playoffs has run more than he normally has as well. Multiple games over 20 yards. So uh, it doesn't necessarily qualify for the study that we did at 4 for 4 uh, that boosts QB rushing yards. But I think that kind of the theory here is the same, especially a guy like Dak, who is, you know, fairly athletic, who can get out of the pocket, who can move. So I, I really like this over 13 and a half. I think you could easily end up with 20 plus. And on MGM, you can kind of put some same game parlays together of like 20 plus, 25 plus. I think that the, the ceiling here for him is really high on his rushing yards. You mentioned there was one time he didn't hit it. And I think that was the time that I gave it out as a play, um, <laughs> of course. But I like it. I mean, you know that I'm, I'm on this. Um, I will kind of piggyback that here in a moment. What are your thoughts here, Pat? I had this as my number four play, so now I need to go Ooh. find a new one. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> Thanks. No, I love it. I, I saw exactly what you saw, or what the four for four sub saw at least. Yeah, Mayo stamp of approval. Like it. Yeah. Like you said, the, uh, Connor's referencing, if you uh, weren't around, we actually, TJ Hernandez, our uh, DFS guru, did some work on this last year after we talked about it more as like a, a concept, uh, but did some work in looking at quarterbacks that average over 30 rushing yards per game. They average uh, six and a half, I think, rushing yards more per game in the playoffs. So Dak falls under that. Uh, that'll be something that I'm, I'm, I'm not going to task with TJ. I'll do it myself here in the offseason and see. You know, we'll lower the threshold to like 15 yards and see if there's anything that's uh, sticky there in terms of quarterback rushing yards i think almost just eliminating like pure pocket passers uh sure. is probably the way to go you know like i mean like brady's not gonna you know get outside the pocket and scramble but like even a guy like rogers you know we saw down the stretch like if he needed like if they were playing in those must-win games like he was running a bunch and so like you know he's getting over that number and his number was like two and a half so i don't know just worth looking at maybe for sure all right pat number two i'm gonna say lawrence actually falls into that as well for sure and he didn't have to do it last week but they were just in pure pass mode last week and you know and that's how it turned out it's still 15 and a half for him and the over is quite juiced up but i am not going with a player prop i'm going with a game prop hmm, for my like second it. look here i couldn't figure out exactly who i wanted to target so i was like hey I might as well target the entire game giants and philly over five and a half sacks total at even money so i think the eagles could get there by themselves so i really like this one uh, do you have a book for that? Is that three DraftKings sports book? I wish I wish books would post more team props like this. Um, I, I've been waiting for this one all week. It, it just popped up. Love it. Five and a half seconds. And it's hard to find. Okay. Yeah, you can find these on. Uh, they don't do. They do not game. They do team uh, sacks on Prize Picks, which I like. Um, those numbers are typically pretty soft. If anyone is playing there for those, but yeah, I like this five and a half. I haven't done any of the homework on it, but. I like that they're available. I'll have to go check out that market. I like I like these. Well, it, it seems to be depressed because Minnesota couldn't get home at all last week. Minnesota couldn't do anything defensively last week. 
And it's really reflected in a lot of the Giants lines this week. Like if you just played blind unders on the Giants this week, I feel like you'd come out way ahead. Yeah, I looked at I looked at Hodgins. I looked at Richie James. I looked at Slayton. I guess the issues that I kept running into with each of them was like, okay, Hodgins usage is like way up lately. And he did play in the slot a decent amount, which is like technically the Eagles weak weakness without, you know, Maddox. I mean, if you want to point to something and then Slayton, I mean, he's just been one of, we've talked about it like every week. He's just one of those guys who just seems to somehow get there. You know, he's gonna have that one or two deep balls. If he catches it, he's going over. If he doesn't, then he's gonna have like 20 yards. And so uh, I agree that you probably just bet all the unders and probably two of the three hit here in this spot. Uh, I also like the Eagles, though, to just like clean up on the Giants. So that's I mean, I don't know if that's a contrarian opinion or not, but uh, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I, I see that game the same way that you do. And I think that we saw exactly what we were talking about with Slayton last week. There was like a broken play sometime in either the early fourth or late third quarter. Daniel Jones just he bobbled the snap or someone didn't go the right way. He just kind of rolled out and. Instead of throwing it away or sliding or doing whatever, what did he do? He just threw up like a 35-yard lob ball to Darius Slayton in the end zone. He probably should have caught it, and he didn't. But, like, it's like, oh, yeah, here's a play. Go to you, Darius. You're here in the end zone. Like, they just, when forced to do something under pressure, he just kind of hucks it up to Slayton. So it's always terrifying with that. I think you're right, though, Connor. If you kind of just, across the board, take shots at him, you're probably going to hit two or three. Um same thing like Daniel Bellinger is a guy that I looked at long Daniel and hard. Daniel Bellinger like, sucks. Yeah, he <laughs> sucks. Um, there's nothing after the catch. Like uh, it's just a his unders are are intriguing to me as well. Has so, he hit an over this season? <laughs> like like once I think because his over under was like ten yards or something like that, and he caught like you know one pass. Well, he, we had over. the forty. He had the forty eight yards in the week eighteen game against Indy, and that propped up whatever he had last week. I think he was like twenty two and a half last week, and he ended up with seventeen yards. And he did end up catching a touchdown last week as well, which is kind of crazy. But like, he doesn't really do anything. He had a nice stretch at the beginning of the year, I guess, when he was averaging like twenty five yards a game. But every time that you look at his over under, it's like this seems about ten to fifteen yards too high for Daniel Bellinger. Also, also, uh, Lawrence Cager played more than usual last week as well. Like he like kind of started eating into some of Daniel Bellinger's stuff who like ran less routes, I believe ran fewer routes than he did previously. Hmm. Yeah. We don't have his number. I mean, to have relevant to like how much he's gone over the current number, but I don't know about his over under hit rate, uh, per se, but yeah, I mean, um, let's look at that route participation. We're going to add a Dan Daniel Bellinger under live. Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing. Like last week, he ran a route on eighty-three uh, percent with a six percent target share. Like he's two weeks ago, no, three weeks ago, ninety-four percent route participation, four percent target share. Uh, that is very, very hard to do. So um, yeah, you you can sell me on Bellinger under yards, under receptions uh, here in a big way. Even even with obviously anticipated negative game script, it just is not anything that uh, they get excited about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's an interesting look. I'll dive in more for sure. That, that could be a play for sure. All right, number two for me. I'm going to stay with the same drum beat that Connor did. I'm going to go Pat Mahomes over 23 and a half rushing yards. This is on uh, DraftKings. This is on Caesars. Mahomes, again, falls short of the threshold that we're looking for here. But on the season, in his career, career, 19 yards per game on the grounds in the regular season. That is 29.4 yards, 10.4 yards more per game in the playoffs. Just uh, we'll die on this hill. Uh, 39 yards in the matchup against Jacksonville early this season, if that means anything to you. We've seen an improved pass rush for Jacksonville 
uh, with Tavon Walker, Josh Allen kind of, you know, collapsing pockets a little bit more. So Mahomes is a willing runner. And this is one of those spots where, again, like he can get this on two carries. You won't need the seven attempts that he had last time against Jacksonville. So 23 and a half is an over. Gentlemen, Pat, I'll go to you. Any thoughts on Mahomes? Yeah. He can get there. He's not the quarterback I like the most in terms of these. Dak was obviously my preference. But coming up, I do have another quarterback that I'm taking the over on in a rushing prop. So I just, I wouldn't touch this one. Yeah. Mahomes, I think, is kind of the impetus, Connor, when we started doing this. It was like, hey, Mahomes runs in the playoffs all the time. Uh, And the the numbers just kind of bear that out. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. I don't remember. Maybe it was against like the Titans or something. And he was just scrambling a bunch. Like he'll get like 30 yards just in the two-minute drill before the first half alone. Um, I guess... Uh, my only concern is that they beat the Jags so bad that uh, he doesn't have to run, but I think that he can easily get there before that happens. I mean, I th- I just really expect the Chiefs to score. Like, the more I, I break down this game, like 35 to 40 points here. Um, and so how that happens, I'm not entirely sure, but probably through the air and maybe some running. They jumped out quick early the last time they met in Week 10, and Mahomes still got to 39. So, again, even a negative script. They still are a pass-heavy team. So you still, like – they're still dropping back in the second half up 21, right? They also have in the back of their minds, the Bengals game last year too, right? Where you can't really let your foot off the gas. And I think you see uh, Mahomes do whatever he needs to here. So do you think that the Jags play more man defense this time? They played like a ton of zone last time and just got absolutely torched. Um, I mean, there's also a chance they play more man, but I don't even know if that matters because they're going to get like, they don't match up well at all either way. So. I don't think they play a ton of man. I was looking at that for a, a specific tackle uh, play too, because um, there's something that would be impactful in terms of uh, what they, if they did that, there'd be an underlook for sure on the board, which I'll talk to talk about a little bit later. But um, I think they still are, are more zone heavy than, than man. Just such a bad matchup to go man against Mahomes. He just he typically destroys man. So, all right, Pat, back to you folks. A reminder to, uh, if you're hanging out, Jump in the chat. Let us know what you like, Pat. Is it me or is it Connor? I'm sorry, Connor. Oh, yeah, it's me. Um, All right, so my third one here is Miles Sanders over 66 and a half rushing yards. I absolutely love this one. So already, I think there's some context is important here. He already gassed the Giants uh, earlier this season, and we were on his over as well. 144 yards on 17 carries, but came into their last meeting banged up. And we go through the past few weeks here, uh, week 17 against New Orleans, he came in with a knee brace and was clearly not uh, right. And then week 18 against the Giants was on the injury report, was limited in practice all week, and then played, I would say, better. He didn't play with the knee brace, but he still wasn't fully there. You know, only 33 yards on 11 carries. Had a couple of good runs early on, but it clearly wore down on him. But that was also without Lane Johnson on the offensive line. So they this, like, two weeks that they've gotten to get healthy, I think is massive for this Eagles team. So they get Lane Johnson back on the offensive line. Miles Sanders fully healthy, not in the injury report at all. The Giants right now. Dead last run defense DVOA, 31st knee pay against the run, 31st explosive run rate allowed. Um, and not to mention on top of that, bottom three defending the run on early downs. Eagles are, I think, one of the top three teams that are running on early downs. So also wouldn't surprise me to, for them to even run more because of Jalen Hurts' injury, uh, you know, SC joint sprain. I think that they still lay it on him no matter what, but I think there's always, always a chance later in the game that they run the ball a little bit more than they normally would. I like it. I tailed it. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on uh, Sanders? I'd rather just bet Boston Scott anytime touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a very tilting backfield to have bets on for sure. So I get it. Connor, I think you capped it well though. For sure. it's uh, you know, you'll see that too. Like, all right, you got a Sanders play, and he's just on the bench for the first like 
two possessions of the game. <laughs> what are they doing? They'll still yeah. end up getting like 15 carries and, you know, playing really well, but they just, I don't know. They get fancy. I don't even know Can what it is. I don't even well. think it's matchup specific. Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. I have no idea what they're doing, but um, yeah, hopefully he still gets there. I think he will match up. I mean, if he, if he gets like 10 to 12 carries, I think he'll actually still get here against his defense. Also, if you do think he sees the majority of the work, you can bet on him to have the most rushing yards of the slate at plus 600, which I know is, you know, pretty vigged but still it's like saquon who uh i'm not very high on and then him uh and then there's one more other favorite as well mccaffrey yeah mccaffrey so it's i mean for me plus 600 of him versus mccaffrey basically well i mean i barkley can get there that you, you probably shouldn't overlook that part of him just being awesome but sanders is the lead running back of the highest ranked favorite on this slate. So Barkley is an underdog. I guess McCaffrey's there, but you don't really attribute all of the rushing yards to Christian McCaffrey. You know that, I mean, we tried to play Elijah Mitchell last week. He got the carries. Uh, it didn't really work out for us. When you had four carries for negative four yards to start the game, that wasn't great. Although he was getting all the touches like inside of the red zone. So I, I guess that was encouraging, I suppose, if you were trying to project him out. I, I would think that Etienne or Pacheco would be the two that I would look at. Like, what are their odds in that market? I never even look at this market because I think it's a stupid market, but I, you know, you, you've piqued my interest now. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Let me, let me look it up. I believe they were both around 10 to one. If I remember correctly, or maybe ETN was like eight and uh, he was 10. I'll, That's I'll such garbage. Yeah. Yeah. The hold is insane. It is. It's complete garbage. All right. We got uh five plus 500 for saquon plus 500 for miles sanders now plus 500 for etn and plus 600 for mccaffrey <laughs> you have plus 800 for the field and then 10 to 1 on pacheco so i feel like mccaffrey is probably a solid play now. i mean mccaffrey point, has yeah. to be the best play of that bunch right <laughs> yeah yeah mccaffrey was the favorite when i checked this morning so he was like plus 450 or plus 500 and then sanders was like you know down the board a little bit and so is etn but i don't know it is a bad market yeah, those markets were fun last year. You can get in real early, find a couple of bad numbers, but they get absolutely just crushed so quickly and then just just collapse. So, all right. Now, this time, Pat, number three. My quarterback prop of the day, now that uh, the Dak Prescott one is out for me, Josh Allen, over eight and a half rushing attempts, even money this week. He ran the ball four times against the Dolphins last week. One of the leading causes of why they didn't jump on me, they jumped out to a big lead, but couldn't hold on to that big lead. You know, with Cincinnati dialing it up a little bit, must-win situation, we're just going to see Allen running a bunch. I, I truly believe that. So I like the over of his rushing yards as well, but I think that's up to 48 and a half now, up from 43 and a half. So I, I just think that he ends up running double-digit times in this game. Anytime he sees pressure based on what we've seen recently. Oh, you know, he's, th he's throwing the ball into traffic. He's throwing the ball deep for no reason. He's going to take it off and run for 20 yards. Shouldn't be a problem. Should have done it last week. I love that play last week and uh, shocked that they did not run against Miami. He plays a bunch of man and plays, um, you know, blitzes a ton. It just is like the perfect matchup and they just didn't do it. Bunch of YOLO balls. Uh, it was a very bizarre Josh Allen game. But uh, Connor, I mean, it's kind of within the narrative still, right? I mean, I, I kind of like the carries over the yards. Yeah, no, I like it either way. And I think they're going to have a bunch of designed runs. Uh, I think this Bengals defense is a little bit overrated too. Um, so I don't know. I, I know I'm talking trash about your Bengals. The more I talk about this game, like I feel like I should just go bet the over and, you know, enjoy. I like the Bengals D. I think they're feisty. They're healthy. Getting some uh, some good play out of their rookie class that uh, started to emerge. So yeah, um, it's going to be a good, it'll be a good football game. Uh, all right. 
Ah, I got a tackle prop. It's still available for folks. We're going to go with um, one of our kings. We're going to go Rayshon Jenkins, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, over six and a half tackles and assists. This is uh, available still at MGM at plus 100 and Caesars at minus 106. We played it earlier today on DraftKings, and I think it's like minus 130. So uh, prefer the other books if you have the opportunity to do so. Um, I have Jenkins like right on this number from a projection standpoint. And then I dug into it a little bit because we only have four games. So we can get a little bit more in the weeds here. And um, I was looking and there's part of that number. His, his snaps per tackle and assist number is 9.7, which is really strong for a safety. It's actually dragged down a little bit by some poor performances early in the season. Weeks one, uh, two tackles. Weeks two, three tackles. And I looked a little bit more into where he's playing and what's shifted. At the time, early in the season, he was playing a lot of free safety snaps. Free safety is, in most instances, um, pre-snap and post-snap, the guy furthest away from the play. He's the guy, like the last line of defense. He was barely playing at all in the box, box meeting, like where the linebackers are at the line of scrimmage. Obviously, probably makes sense for anyone. There are more tackle opportunities inside the box. Um, His box safety or his box snap rate has spiked massively. He's barely playing free safety at all. It's gone from like 63%. Last week it was 16%. That's shifted. And now instead of playing like 15% in the box, he's played 46, 34, 46, 42. He's in and around the line of scrimmage. That's coincided with tackle numbers of 7, 7, 9, uh, 18 is the game that uh, we played him over four and a half against the Cowboys. And he had 18 tackles and assists. So a uh, pretty good game there. Again, he's right on the number. It's actually a really good matchup in terms of what safeties have done all season against the Chiefs. When you think about it, they throw a lot over the middle of the field. They don't run a lot, so you get a lot of opportunities for safeties anyway. So Jenkins over six and a half, still readily available. Again, prefer Caesars or MGM if you got it. Again, if you have three six five, pretty good ladder opportunity to take some alts on uh, on uh, Jenkins here. So Connor, are you in? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm firing all the tackle props now. I mean, you're you're firing all on all cylinders. You're hot. You know, I'm I'm just gonna keep riding until you know until the market dies. Basically, I know that you've gotten limited pretty hard here, uh, and you got to get a little more creative to get get down. But you know, that's what they do to the best. You know, they limit the best. They don't want your action anymore. So take it as a compliment from our friends at DraftKings and you know MGM that you're just too sharp for them. They can't hang. Pat, we need your help at DraftKings. Um, <laughs> your boy, your boy is very, very limited at DraftKings. Suddenly, you think uh, you think that I have that kind of pull? Please, I do. If anyone does, uh, no, I don't. Oh, yeah. Trust me, it's, it's tough. I don't even Tough's have DraftKings. Good. I don't even have DraftKings Sportsbook eligible to be in my province. It's true. Yeah, it's tough. Maybe I don't know. I'm trying to give them golf outrights. So that's happening. They wouldn't take more than ten dollars, five dollars on Ben Griffin plus two hundred to one. This week, so uh, not a good spot for so me. So they saved you five bucks. They saved me five bucks, but that's my point. Like, if you're limiting me on a two hundred to one outright, um, we're, what are we even doing here? So, you can bet. You can bet Eric Cole real time hundred to one right now. He's in like third place. I know he's in the mix. My I, guy. I, are you on Eric Cole? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but I do love Eric Cole. It's just nice to see. Might might go bet him right now as we're talking about it. Uh, you haven't live bet anything on this show yet, so I feel like you're due. You I know, lost. I legit lost like a thousand dollars betting on live on the show last week. So <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tamp tamp it down a little bit. A lot of same game parlays last week. Yeah, uh, you know they all yeah. seem so appealing at the time. The Funny scrubs did works. not come through. 
No, tough show last week. And the folks of Indiana came out too. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> not right. happy. Uh, I mean, that's... I wouldn't be happy if I lived there either. So there we are. <laughs> Oh, love it. All right, Connor. Um, uh, I did I did hear about their greatest export, which is depression. <laughs> uh, I was wondering where you're gonna go with that. Hey, yeah. listen, I'm from like the biggest loser spot in Canada, so I'm not really one to throw stones, but I did I do enjoy throwing stones. So here we are. <laughs> the the most common rebuttal was that you just that there are plenty other states that do more cousin fucking than Indiana. So they were saying <laughs> we're not that bad. That was their retort, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're not in Alabama. But you have to understand that as a Canadian, I have been to Indianapolis. So I mean that's really my only experience with Indiana. And that was very nice. But it just seems like one of those places, and you encounter that a lot in Canada too, especially like where I'm from. Like my province has a population, I think, of like 1.2 million, and I think 700,000 live in the city I live in. Like, you get 20 minutes outside the city, you're in fucking deliverance. <laughs> yeah, the, the people of Indiana were saying that their uh, CF over expectation is uh, is national average. Whereas if you, you know, go down to Alabama or Kentucky, uh, it tends to be a little bit higher. So uh, do you fair, go down to Kentucky? Like, I, this is the one thing I've never understood about Kentucky. Like, it's like, oh, it, it's you know, the deep south Kentucky. It doesn't seem that far south. No, but it's very south in terms of once you're there, you feel like you're in the south. Yeah, like yeah. neither is West Virginia. But that's like, true. It's very south, but it's like directly below Indiana, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, from someone who grew up, up from New Hampshire, where like the neighboring town, like on the seacoast. So like just a little north of Massachusetts, but like neighboring town of Maine, you can go to like the seacoast of Maine and it sounds very much like maybe where Pat lives, but you go anywhere else in Maine and there are strong Kentucky, uh, strong Indiana, West Virginia vibes going on in the great state of Maine. It's beautiful, but uh, it's a, a very different part of the country. So hey, if I drive four hours, I can take a ferry to Maine. Get, get myself to Bangor, I think. Yeah, it's not bad. Banga. Banga. You want to go a little further south in Banga, get down to like, you know, uh, further the seacoast, even Portland, York. <laughs> you have a real good time. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm looking at it now. It was always really funny like because I lived in Toronto for so long. I lived there for like 15 years. And like I would, I was always doing business in Minneapolis for a variety of reasons. And they'd be like, oh, it must be so cold in Toronto. I was like, motherfucker, like, we're <laughs> right south there. of you. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> Uh, Reed Phillips says hello from Kentucky. Uh, Reed, thanks for hanging out in the chat. Sorry again, sorry Dan and the folks from Indiana from last week. Continue there, but uh, but like, okay, okay, just looking at like the latitude right now, like Kentucky is about on like the same latitude as like Washington DC. <laughs> yeah, but again, very very different social economic makeup of no, no, I, I i understand that part it's like when you say in uh like people when people in ohio it's like well we're in the midwest it's like you're in the east part of the country you're the east what, yeah. what, what are we talking about yeah you're so in the you east like time to find what these terms were before like when it was just 13 colonies is that what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about like does it's... california not count is that not west that's like a completely different place like realistically like the midwest would be like wyoming or wouldn't it yeah yeah colorado that's just west. I just it it blow, I, I I don't get the American nomenclature because it has absolutely nothing to do with geography. No, it's almost like cultural based. Like Ohio is a midwestern state because culturally, you know, they have a couple of cities and mostly it's just like cornfields and nothing, and then they just have that Midwest culture. And just like Wyoming is like that's a western state because they're just western. I don't know. It's like 
they, they have that that kind of vibe you know what i mean like there's plenty of other also, also like midwestern states that i think are kind of west technically and like i just anything west of like iowa is just kind of like the west and like isn't iowa almost like in the middle, in the middle of the eastern part yeah. of the country yeah <laughs> probably slightly more in the eastern part of the country yes yeah so see i find all so it just seems like there's a very coastal elite new york bias when it comes to designating who everyone is absolutely true yeah because we're in the chicago we're in the midwest we're very much east of, of almost everything right yeah I mean, we're... like okay well think of it this way like what's the drive between chicago and toronto like eight hours seven hours yeah like six six yeah, yeah. They're, they're very close to each other yeah in canada toronto is known as the east coast which is not true but that's when people <laughs> say in canada like oh you live out east you live in toronto yeah, that makes sense. There's really not a major city. There's my city. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right, because even otherwise you're getting into you know Ottawa and, and Montreal, but those are what north northeast a little bit more. So you yeah, like they're they're either north and east. So yeah, once you get past Montreal, Halifax is the biggest city, and I mean we're a two and a half hour flight from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it either. But we're yeah we're very much uh, in the Illinois. We're in the Midwest, even though it doesn't make any sense. So geography hour, prop, prop geography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm interested to see who we get on next week. We only have uh, two games to talk about. So uh, Connor, we're at your last one, but I know you mentioned you got a lot. So if you want to kind of just shoot us with, uh, you know, unload the clip, let us know what you like. It's still available. Yeah. We'll fire with start off with Juju over 54 and a half receiving yards. I know this is tough because he hasn't been performing as of late, but I think that given the matchup here, uh, Jags have been ho horrible against slot receivers. You pointed this out last week with the Keaton Allen play. Juju leads the team in snaps from the slot. The last time he played the Jags, he had like uh, only 38% snap rate because he was banged up, only ran 14 routes, still on those 14 routes, saw four targets, had 33 yards. Um, and last time we against the Jags, we saw Marquez Valdez-Scantling play a season high 51% slot rate with Juju basically out. Um, and he went for 60 yards. So I think a full complement here of snaps for Juju uh, makes this a pretty good spot for him to go over in a game that I expect, as we talked about earlier, Chiefs to put on the points, to pass a bunch against the Jags defense. It's still bottom three in pass DVOA. So a uh, great spot for Juju to kind of get back on track here. And another one that I like, uh, Saquon Barkley under on his carries. I'm playing with fire. I get it. It's 15 and a half in most spots. But if we kind of look at how this Giants team performs when they're losing which has been a pretty rare occasion this year he's played in six games where they've lost and he's gone under this number in five of them with his median being around 14 carries uh, and i expect the eagles to win big here so beyond that too they dialed up 11 designed runs for daniel jones he had 17 runs last week and the eagles are bottom three at defending uh designed runs in epa and success rate and our second worst in qb scramble rate defending that so i think the daniel jones rushing over could be in play but for me it was just kind of the saquon barkley rushing under because he's i mean unless they're winning or tied the only game that he went over basically that they lost was they were tied like midway through the fourth quarter and he got into one of the 20 carries other than that he hasn't had more than 15. i have a question That's i don't it. necessarily disagree with this but with you on this, but being that they're the same, I'm looking at DraftKings right now, the 15 and a half. Why not just go with the ETN under 15 and a half? Well, I kind of like that too. Like, I feel like that one has a, like, just even like we've seen games where they've won by a bunch and he doesn't get to this number. And he's most definitely not getting there if they're losing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I, think, on Connor, I think you messaged me and said that you wanted to hit one of the two of those unders. It was ETN and Saquon, right? 
Yeah, I'm going to hit probably that one too, to be honest. I, I think it's a great look. It's um, I don't really remember what deterred me from it. I think maybe it was Daigle saying that because he ETN plays literally the entire game, but so does Saquon. And I mean, if I expect the Chiefs to score a ton, I mean, ETN's just not going to get a ton of work uh, just in general. I mean, 15 and a half carries is a, a ton. Um, I don't know what the juice is right now. It's kind of been like shifting back and forth. Initially, it was like heavily juiced under, and then it was heavily juiced over. I don't know where we're at at this point. ETN under 15 and a half is plus 105 at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, as we spoke in real time, it is now plus 100. It just flashed on my screen. They're listening to us. They're, they're watching. Yeah, yeah. Damn and it, it's the same for Barkley. It's it's even money to the under. Yeah, I'll probably take that too. I mean, one of them's at least one of them's going to hit probably both. All right, I'm making ETN my final one, by the way. ETN under 15 and a half rushing attempts. I like it. Do you have any other looks, things that you were considering that you wanted to share? Yes. Ingram over 40 and a half, 44 and a half receiving yards. Just seems like a really low number for him in this game where you would expect a lot of catch up or they get ahead by passing a whole bunch. Those are just very easy completions. Like we saw last week in catch up mode against the Chargers, just all Ingram all the time. Uh, Zay Jones uh, to that point too, only 52 and a half seems like a pretty low number. Ayuk 53 and a half, but these were all almost exactly in line with my projections. The other ones are kind of completely off the board, either way under or way over. That's why I tended to lean with those Hayden Hurst, as I mentioned over three and a half receptions. Yeah, but that's really where I was. I was thinking burrow over 11 and a half rushing yards. I went and looked and he hasn't been over that number in ages. No. He might need to put a little bit more on the line here, but uh, if he's going to get, if he's kind of like in the zone to get the ball out quick, I don't know. I mean, because it's either going to be get the ball quick or take a sack, probably. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth because he he's another guy. He is definitely capable of running. I mean, we've seen him. Like he's he is pretty like I mean reasonably athletic uh, for a guy who's like mostly a pocket passer. Can you live can live bet Tom Kim be my uh, my play? Yeah, you lie about Tom Kim. I mean, I bet him before the before the tournament, but now he's down to like five to one or something because he can't miss putting. This is what Tom Kim does. He gets uh, red hot. That's why I'm on my uh, Taylor Montgomery this week, hoping that Taylor Montgomery continue to just putt at a unsustainable rate. And uh, it's the place to call the birdie fest. Uh, unsustainable putting contest, right, from John Rahm last year. So give me the best putter in the field over the last 12 calendar months and uh, got off to a good start yesterday. So, so what are we so betting? What, what are we betting? So Tom Kim winner right now? I, I don't even know what he's at anymore. I saw 18 he 18 to 1 right now. He's what to 1? 18 to 1 on, on uh, another website that I, I mean, that's that's not in. bad, actually. All right. I'll throw throw some lunch money on it. That's right. Yeah. I'm seeing 16 to 1. Fina is still at 40. But he's dropped to 40 because he's off to a bad start today. But, like, who cares? That's my guy, Taylor Montgomery. Yeah, Taylor Montgomery still won under today through, through four. Yeah, he, he was one over. That's why I say Okay. That. Still in the mix. Yeah, Tom Kim just six under through eight holes. He's like, yeah, let's go. Let's make I, – I, I banked all those miscut, missed putts from the last two weeks. I'll make them <laughs> all today. Yeah, he's been – he's so hot and cold. This is just Rom's world, though, right now, which is terrifying. So yeah, He's two to one to win. <laughs> yeah. That worked out for Spieth last week live uh, Thursday night at five to one, and then uh, misses the cut. So, uh, Rom in a different world with the putter right now, though. So, all right, I am going to give you um, Eric Cole. Eric Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch. Let me see. So I have some tackles. I'll share the tackles that I played, and I don't think that they, for the most part, are available. I played Mike Hinton or Mike Hilton, the uh, Cincinnati cornerback I went from three and a half to four and a half maybe you're playing prize picks or something like that or vivid maybe you still find the three and a half on hilton like that quite a bit 
uh, played uh, Teron Johnson, a cornerback for the Bills, over four and a half. That got juiced up now to like minus 160. I'm not chasing and laying that juice, but again, could be a viable look on the pick'em sites if you like it. Again, just kind of fits the narrative of uh, a lot of passes there in that game. Uh, same thing, Tredavious White. He's actually probably the one that's closest to being still available, over three and a half tackles. Uh, the juice looks like it's not out of control in places. Again, correlates well with high pass rate from Cincinnati. Um, he's not going to like shadow Jamar Chase, uh, but we've seen him. Uh, they'll meet up a lot on the outside when they put um, Chase on the perimeter. Strong tackler, you know, topped this in number of times in the last uh, since he's been active this season. And uh, again, I think he's going to get a ton of chances here. It's three and a half, pretty low threshold. There's a couple other guys. One guy that we were talking about earlier in terms of what Jacksonville does defensively. I like the under on Devin Lloyd. Lloyd, uh, first round rookie for Jacksonville at linebacker, was got off to a great start. Was playing every every down and was putting up some massive numbers. And now was basically started in the Kansas City game. Actually, and he is a massive problem in um, in pass defense. And he started to lose snaps to uh, Chad Muma. And now I don't really know how to project his, his snaps. He's been anywhere from like 40% to like 70%. Uh, I have him even at like 70% and he's like right on five and a half. So there's a good chance that he goes back down and plays like 50% of the snaps here. And then under five and a half is a really good look. Linebackers also have not been a great spot against Kansas city this season too, because again, they don't run traditionally you don't get a lot of those around the line of scrimmage tackles so linebackers have to make some coverage tackles and that is not Devin Lloyd's MO so Lloyd under five and a half I think is a an interesting look in that same game I really want Trent McDuffie uh, they posted him last week they did last week add some props late tackles um, on like right after inactive so I think Trent McDuffie is going to be three and a half um, there's been a role switch there with Legereus Sneed which is why if you are a subscriber you see Sneed popping in projections and why we're not playing is because Snead has now been uh, moved to the outside versus being primarily a box and like slot guy. And we've seen him go from like consistently six, seven tackles every game. He's been a play we've made a lot. He's got three in each of the last two games. So uh, he might even be worth an under if that kind of continues. Um, that's been one that I definitely want to see. Some of the other ones that I'm looking at, I, I think, Leighton Vander Esch is probably a pretty good look. Um, I wish the number wasn't out to like minus 135 because I have him kind of right around this number, but I just think it's a pretty good spot for scorekeeper data for visitors in San Francisco. I think you're going to see a lot of rushing attempts here in this game. I like the Niners and uh, Vander Esch has been playing a ton um, over the last couple of weeks before he got hurt and then came back and played hundred percent of the snaps last week as well. So those are some of the tackle looks. Again, some of them might be more relevant for pick'em sites now than, uh, playing some of the juice that our subscribers got. But the lesson here, subscribe, 19 bucks, 444.com slash plants. So does code, does code Mayo work on that one too? Code Mayo does not currently work on that one, but uh, something that we are open for for, uh, for next year. Uh, let's see here. Rayshon Jenkins over six and a half tackles, ETN under 15 and a half rushing attempts, Ingram over 43 and a half receiving yards, six to one. I like it. Yeah, that's great. Subscribers want to know about uh, Nick Bolton and Foye Aluakon. So like in the tackle space, these are our, uh, this is like talking about the, they're literally number one and number two in tackles on the season. And we play them a lot. It just isn't a good matchup for anyone, either of them on paper. And they're both nine and a half. It's big numbers. Again, like they're crushing this often. Um, 
I will probably end up playing them, even though there's not a lot of like statistical matchups, just because like the range of outcomes for these guys to get 15 is, I don't know. Alokan's been doing that pretty consistently. Uh, Bolton's been just as you need a dozen tackles. He's just doing it all the time. They both fell short in the first matchup of the season, which again, kind of speaks to why it's not a great matchup, but uh, I don't know, kind of, I like having tackles one on each side. So when the game's going on, it doesn't matter. I have a, a guy to, to root for, for tackles, regardless of what's going on in the game. So uh, those are the two, again, literally one and two in tackles on the season with uh, Khan and Nick Bolton. I don't know when it happened, but I think at some point during, I don't know, maybe in, in the beginning of this year, you were like sucked up by like an alien ship and then your brain was rewired to only pay attention to tackles, defensive players and, you know, tackles and assists because you've come back a changed man because these, we used to say the same thing with offensive players. That's what, you know, most people are like, oh, I want offensive players on, you know, both sides, you know, like it's, uh, you know, that's how I like, but I guess you're looking at it like, oh, I want guys who are going to tackle on both sides of the ball. Well, it happened. You were over. We were watching football, and it was the Kansas City and uh, the Bengals game. It was Jamar Chase just came back. We're like, boom, there he is. And I'm like, yeah, Nick Bolton. Uh, He tackled Jamar Chase on his first reception. So I was excited about Bolton getting the tackle. You were excited about Jamar Chase coming back and uh, getting a reception. So, yeah, just hey, it's a soft market. Until they take it away from us, I think we can exploit it. And I like having – I've already tasked Sam, our – tools and data guy with a couple other things for next year from like a formation standpoint and quarterback heat maps. We can get even more granular to make some of these decisions and add to the plethora of tools at four for four. So, all right, gentlemen, um, I think that's it. We, we did geography hour. We gave out about 25 plays. I think we're good. Pat, you want to tell everyone where they can find your stuff and where they can get their live golf bets. Yes. Well, Mayo media network is where you want to go. We have, I mean, for golf, we have a research show on, let's see, research show on Sunday, my bet show with Feinberg on Monday, Tambo and Kenny on the DGENs for first look DraftKings picks on Tuesday, me and Tambo for final bets, DraftKings picks, ownership, one and done. That's on Wednesday, uh, live showdown on Thursday night, live showdown on Friday night. Then we repeat the process, plus all the NFL you can handle. Pat Mayo Experience running seven days a week at the moment so i'm going on vacation soon once all this is over uh connor where'd you go in mexico i was in cancun and Playa del carmen where what were you what are you 19 years old <laughs> yeah i mean not that not that young but no it's uh i don't know my family's been going there for a while so it's been uh we got a little, little timeshare down there it's a little quiet place i'm not going to hit up the club it's not going to coco bongo or anything uh but you know plenty of margaritas and tequila though no Playa del carmen's quite nice i was there about four years ago we i just rented to airbnb when i was there which is really the way to go in a lot of these places like if you're going to like i just know so many people that go to resorts when they go to these places like well it depends on where you go right like for sure playa del carmen is such sort of like a touristy place now at least like the seven blocks that you can go to is that you don't need to be on a resort there like if you're going on a resort you're at like mayacoba like you're going to play golf the entire time and you know, usually when you go with your wife, that's not what you're doing. Yeah. And you're missing out on some awesome like food. They're, they have some great food in Playa, some awesome restaurants. Um, it is definitely touristy, but like if you're in a resort, you're pretty much just only eating the resort. So usually not that good of food. Yeah. So like I, I just booked Cabo for April. Like, I'm, I'm only there for four days, but like we, we are going to a resort. But from what I can tell, I haven't been to Cabo, is that it's pretty easy to get around and into the city at the same time. Like you don't have to stay on the resort, which is nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I always like taking some, some trips out, you know, then you get to try some, you know, 
mix in with the locals, go to some, see some fun stuff outside the resort. Cause if you're just staying in the resort, then I don't know. I just feel like it's not that fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not going on vacation with my wife, but I am going on a golf vacation. First of March. I'm excited. Did Hilton Head last year. We we're doing Myrtle Beach. I'm excited to dust off the clubs. I got to get my body moving because I want to make sure that I am not sore for that. But I'm uh, very, very excited to uh, get out there and swing the golf clubs. Uh, Pat, what are you doing for a content schedule this week? Because, again, the Farmers, Wednesday through Saturday. Tambo brought this to my attention. I was not even aware of this yeah so i tweeted Tambo out was- a reminder yesterday that uh yeah because i was looking at it and i'm like i, I want to get a jump start i remember they did this last year and yes they're doing it again yeah so i'll probably record my research show tomorrow probably put it out uh you know early as possible on sunday video and audio do the show normal time with feinberg on monday morning and then i'll probably record with raza on tuesday afternoon for the DraftKings show because tambo's out because he has his prior commitments on a tuesday we always record on a wednesday and then you know i i do like talking to ben so the more i can bring in ben the better that that's going to be fun and then i i would kind of wish that golf was wednesday to saturday that would be really nice it would be nice i feel like by tuesday afternoon i'm good anyway so like yeah one extra day is like just a drag. So, and, and it gives me you know, like I, then I can kill time on a way. Like the biggest benefit for all the fun that we talk about betting on golf, DraftKings golf, whatever it might be, is that it gives you something to pay attention to for like eight hours during your workday on a weekday. Yeah, I love that. Put it on the background, and you can sweat occasionally. And coverage is always awful, but uh, especially this week. But it's always it's always fun to have it on in the background. So the, the the live feeds haven't been so bad this week. I saw people complaining about them, but like, hey, like. They were like, well, it's just a locked off. We can't be complaining about that. That's the first thing we cannot be doing. Because all we wanted for ages was just, hell, put a, a tape an iPhone to a tree just so we can see what's going on. And they've kind of done that for this course. And they've just set up hard cams at a few of these holes. And they're just like, yeah, we'll cut to this when there's players on it. Like some of the guys are like weirdly out of focus and stuff like that. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but like, I can see what's going on. It's great. And other people are like, well, the camera's not good enough for that. It's like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, this is all we wanted. Yeah, they're on three courses. We got to just take a little bit of uh, outlaw tour style coverage and uh, do whatever we got to do here to have cell phone coverage. So. Ooh, Lingmurth is rallying. Let's go, Lingmurth. Lingmurth, there. <laughs> you on Lingmurth this week, Matt? I am on Lingmurth this week. All right. He's in yeah. a lineup that I have that has Xander Burns and Davis Thompson. So I really need Damn. to make the cut. Really need Lingmurth. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Didn't get to listener questions. There weren't that many. Um, Give me one. Oh. Give me one. I want to answer it, and that'll be the. I'll be like the judge. talked about that talked about that here you go it doesn't matter what your question is pal (laughs) (laughs) brian sullivan thanks ty hilton dusty leave it alone all right good stuff as always gentlemen connor you ready we're leaving we're outroing for connor oh shit (laughs) ryan we'll see you next week thanks everyone